Chapter twenty three of Fuel of Fire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fuel of Fire by Ellen Thornycroft Fowler. Chapter twenty three. The Professor's Visit. Love evermore is fresh and young so may it please your royal highness to banish from your mother tongue such words as fini there was great delight all through tetley and the neighbourhood thereof when the engagement of mr baxendale to miss burton was announced an engagement which one has seen coming on is always so much more flattering to one's self-esteem and therefore more popular in proportion than an engagement which suddenly jumps out upon one and takes one completely by surprise the former shows us how wise and foreseeing all we onlookers have been while the latter proves or rather tries to prove that we can see only what is under our own noses and no further through a stone wall than other people which deduction is of course absurd although it might be a fine alliance socially for nancy it was by no means a brilliant match from a pecuniary point of view and to this fact mr burton could not close his paternal eyes but now that lady alicia was provided for lawrence could justly afford to keep a wife and moreover nancy's mind was made up to marry him or die and she had shown such unmistakable signs of actually fulfilling the latter alternative if the former were denied her that her father decided in his own mind that as according to solomon a living married daughter was better than a dead single one or was that effect he would not withhold his consent to nancy's becoming the wife of lawrence maxendale as for the two lovers themselves words could not describe their happiness it is true that there is no heart-sickness harder to bear than that of hope long deferred but on the other hand there is no tree of life whereof the fruit is sweeter than that of the long-deferred desire at last fulfilled and now lawrence and nancy were enjoying this fruit to the fullest extent of their by no means limited powers compensation is one of the great laws of life and those people whose hearts desires have been given to them at the mere request of their lips have no idea of the ecstasy of bliss vouchsafe to those whose happiness arrives late after having tarried long upon the way in the sunshine of her restored happiness nancy soon began to grow strong and well again while lawrence resolutely put away from him all remembrance of the crime which had once well nigh wrecked his life and decided that as he had forgiven so much he would forget lady alicia was married very quietly to her old lover in london on the twelfth of june nancy's wedding was fixed to take place at tetley church on the tenth of september and in the interval it happened that professor gottfried a most distinguished scientist with whom the arbuthnots had made friends on their honeymoon came to stay at the vicarage for a few days the professor was not one of those clever people whose chins are always in the air he was one of those men of genius who know that nothing is beneath the notice of man since nothing is beneath the notice of god so he was immensely interested in everything that was going on around him 
and having learned much was always longing to learn more while he was staying at tedley he heard the story of the burning of baxendale hall and the mystery connected with it and his attention was immediately aroused thereby over and over again he made michael and nora describe to him every detail of the incident with all the evidence that told so strongly against lawrence until they grew weary of the recital and then nora suggested that they should take him up to the ruins of the hall so that he might study the question more minutely upon the very scene of the tragedy so it came to pass one glorious afternoon in august that the arbuthnots professor gottfried lawrence nancy and nancy's two small brothers strolled up to examine all that was left of baxendale hall it was a lovely day just such another day as that which had preceded the catastrophe exactly a year ago only there was no gale this august as there had been last one of those perfect summer afternoons when nature seems to be at a standstill simply because there is nothing better to do than she has already done she is at her wit's end how to find another treat for her already spoiled children they walked slowly through the lanes those lanes which were as holy ground to at least two of the party who considered the others guilty of sacrilege and daring to walk there at all until they reached the park and then across the velvet grass to the ruins which stood gaunt and grim and blackened the one inharmonious touch in the idyllic picture of english summer-time then lawrence took the professor all over his devastated home pointing out as fully as he could where the fire broke out and how it travelled the man of science followed him with absorbing interest it is most strange most strange he kept saying i cannot at all find it out it never will be found out now i expect replied lawrence adding under his breath and hope but professor gottfried had no such wish it was his business to solve problems and to make discoveries and he did not like to be beaten it must have been set on fire from the inside he continued there is no doubt of that to set a house on fire from the outside and to be in on the upper story is a most impossible and not to be believed in thing yet the ground floor by the fire quite untouched has been but why did you not this floor roof over again before everything was spoiled because i couldn't afford to do so said lawrence simply ach but it is a bother not things to be able to afford it is there's no doubt of that and the master baxendale laughed somewhat bitterly and there was no one in the house living you tell me at the time even the caretakers had for a short holiday gone away was that not so yes and they had all keys into your hands before going given so did arbuthnot tell me that is so lawrence hated this endeavour to discover a secret which his chief desire now was to keep inviolate he had forgiven nancy with all his heart but he was by no means sure that the world if it found out her guilt would be equally ready to forgive her and he was quite certain that he did not wish the world ever to have the chance so he tried to divert the professor's attention if you will come with me across the lawn to that clump of beech trees on the other side i will give you a glimpse into five counties he said but it required a stronger man than baxendale to divert the professorial mind when once it had set itself to the solution of a particular problem i do not want to see five counties no nor fifty counties i do want the mystery of this house to solve it's no good trying to do that professor we've all tried and have given it up as a bad job and you'll be compelled to do the same ach what nonsense you young men do talk and how idle you are 
a bad job indeed who ever heard of in mathematics a bad job to every question there is an answer if only one can find it and i mean this one to find out before i go it's no good professor you'd better take my advice and give it up but the professor was not to be balked he pottered about the ruins for another hour with lawrence at his heels and then was so hot and tired that he was obliged to join the group sitting under the beech trees and partake of a tea which mrs candy had carried up from her cottage in a basket what a perfect afternoon it is exclaimed nora with a sigh of absolute contentment laying her hand upon her husband's and looking at her sister from whose face joy was already beginning to play the part of india rubber and erase sorrow's handwriting nancy dear do you ever wonder what you have done to deserve such happiness nancy shook her head no but i sometimes wonder what lawrence has isn't it funny that food always tastes so much nicer out of doors than it does indoors remarked that young lady when the meal was well under way i believe that even boiled mutton or rice pudding would seem regular delicacies in the open air food eaten out of doors is nice even to read about in books said nora her sister agreed yes isn't it now when you read about robin hood and people of that sort taking venison pasties and stoops of claret in the merry greenwood spelled with i e instead of y it sounds the most delicious fare yet i'm certain that claret handed round in stoops whatever a stoop may be would taste awfully sour in a modern dining-room and as for venison well what's wrong with venison asked lawrence with a smile as nancy paused he was already unconsciously acquiring a manner peculiar to those men who are blessed with brilliant wives he led up to her best stories played up to her smartest repartees and when she was in full swing his lips moved slightly as do the lips of prompters in amateur theatricals oh venison is nothing but mutton with its head turned and it's as troublesome as are all the people whose heads have been turned you never can catch it at the right moment like a pear or an eclipse don't you know it has either not been kept long enough when it is mutton and too tough to eat or else it has been kept too long in which case either it or you has to leave the house at once in favour of the other and then to return to your mutton is dangerous to life from a sanitary point of view while nancy was rattling on in her old airy inconsequent fashion with nobody but lawrence paying much attention to what she said professor gottfried was showing the little boys some grass and flowers through a powerful magnifying glass which he happened to have in his pocket suddenly arthur raised the glass and regarded the surrounding landscape through it i say amby he cried do come here and see how funny all the trees and everything look through this ambrose flew to his brother's side and gazed through the glass with one blue eye puckering up the other until every muscle on that side of his small face was taut it is awfully queer he ex exclaimed everything looks so big and wobbly doesn't it as if the world was full of water let's pretend we're at the bottom of the sea and the trees are made of seaweed let me look said nancy whose finger was not long out of any pie she could not bear to be outside of things after she had gazed her fill which was a very short one lawrence took the glass from her more for the pleasure of touching her fingers it must be admitted than from any desire to behold the phenomenon which it presented and idly raised it to his eyes it makes me feel like a child again he remarked after a moment there used to be a flaw in the nursery window here which magnified things when you looked through it and as ambrose said made everything wobbly and watery i likewise remember pretending the world was the bottom of the sea in those days when i looked through that particular pane in the old nursery window eh 
what is that what is that cried the professor with suddenly awakened interest i was only saying that looking through your glass at this view reminded me of looking through my old nursery window as there was a flaw in one of the panes there that magnified everything replied lawrence languidly the professor's almost childish interest in trifles and curiosity regarding the same bored him considerably professor gottfried started to his feet and clapped his hands in an ecstasy of enthusiasm thereby upsetting his tea and bread and butter in one fell crash i have it i have it he cried the mystery of the fire at last is cleared the never-to-be-solved problem is solved the bad job is not to be given up any more but is a very good job after all what on earth do you mean professor asked the vicar in amazement while the others looked on imagining that too much learning had made the little german mad i mean that to me it has been given the great mystery of this house to solve i mean that i do know how baxendale hall was by accident burned that is what i do mean and the professor fairly skipped with excitement lawrence's face turned as white as a sheet for heaven's sake tell us what you are driving at he said between his teeth listen pay attention and i will tell you all cried the professor see the thing is quite simple but tell me first was the nursery to the library at all near it was next to it replied lawrence and on the same floor and for what was it after the hall was shut up used as a sort of overflow meeting for the library lawrence answered some books and papers for which there wasn't room in the library were stored there he kept himself well in hand but he could not quite hide the trembling of the fingers that twirled his moustache in a vain show of indifference then it is all as child's play simple fairly shouted professor gottfried when the sun did shine upon the able to magnify flaw in the window the flaw did become a fire-glass and so the great sun himself did thus to the books and papers in the room set fire see here and while they stood breathless with surprise at the professor's discovery he held his magnifying glass where the hot august sunlight could fall upon it and quickly burned a large hole in mrs candy's best tablecloth nancy was the first to find words then you believe it was the sun that set fire to baxendale hall and if so the old prophecy was actually fulfilled for the sun is thrice as great as king or state and a thousand times stronger and higher i make no doubt dear young lady that it was none other than the great sun himself that did the crime commit who else could have the library entered without first opening the door and walking up the stairs the fire would in the afternoon begin when the sun at the southwest windows was shining in and for hours it would smoulder and then it would into a flame burst and the strong wind would fan it and the books and the papers would like so much tinder burn nancy's face was pale with excitement and her eyes were dim with joyful tears yes yes i'm sure you are right and oh i'm so glad that the secret has been found out at last suddenly the professor's jaw fell but stop i do not see why did the sun that particular afternoon to baxendale hall set fire when for a hundred years or more he had been on that very window shining every day i know cried nancy the great tree at the back of the hall was blown down by the gale the day before so that the sun shone for the first time 
on the nursery window that particular afternoon professor gottfried positively flung his arms round nancy in his exuberance that is it that is it clever clever girl that does everything most clearly explained the tree which had always that window shaded did fall the sun on the flaw in the glass did shine the flaw in the window did as the sun-glass act and did to the books and papers on which the sunlight fell set fire the books and papers did so quickly burn that the fire to the house did itself extend the strong wind did fan the flame so fast that they like wildfire did travel and so in one day and night baxendale hall was down burned then no one entered the hall that afternoon it was lawrence that spoke but the voice was not his own no one no one if they had the fire discovered would have been when you as you told me in the morning of that day were here the sun had not on the window shone and the fire had not begun it was when the sun on the west front of the house was shining that the flaw in the pane of glass to the hall did set fire and then no one even into the house again did come and this explains why the fire started from the upper story continued lawrence in the same unnatural voice it does all things connected with this matter explain replied the professor it does explain how the fire from inside and upstairs did begin and how it did begin though all the doors were locked for the sun can without any keys enter professor gottfried's words brought full conviction to the minds of all his hearers and the sudden enormous relief was almost more than lawrence could bear so he turned away in silence and went down into the beech wood that fringed the lawns of his old home and there struggled to regain that self-control over his feelings of which the unexpected joy produced by the professor's discovery had almost robbed him after a few minutes nancy left the group that was so busily engaged in discussing professor gottfried's solution of the baxendale mystery finding fresh proofs of its truth in every new aspect and consideration and followed her lover into the wood darling she said laying a caressing hand upon his arm which was still trembling i am so glad lawrence could not speak but he raised the little hand to his lips and covered it with kisses so it came to pass that the mystery of baxendale hall was solved at last by the ingenuity of professor gottfried all the false suspicions and the heart-burnings which they had caused were over for ever and everybody was heartily ashamed of having suspected everybody else the professor's discovery made a considerable sensation both socially and scientifically and for a time people were almost as much afraid of magnifying glasses as they were of gunpowder and dynamite the insurance company was so thoroughly satisfied with the professor's explanation of the otherwise inexplicable mystery that it again expressed its willingness to pay to mr baxendale the sum to which he was entitled and this time he had no option and no desire but to avail himself of his rights and after much consideration and discussion he and nancy decided that they would invest seventy thousand pounds and live upon the income thereof settling the capital upon the estate and that they would spend the other thirty thousand pounds in building a new house upon the old foundations a house not too large for their present means and yet capable of being added to should further prosperity 
shine in the future upon the baxendale family one sunny afternoon about a fortnight before their marriage lawrence and nancy were sitting together upon the old style which had proved such an important stage property in the drama of their lives and they were going over for the two hundred and fiftieth time the story of the burning of baxendale they had just gone over for the two thousandth and fiftieth time the story of their love for each other and the peculiar unsmoothness of its course so they turned their attention to the fire as a slight diversion before beginning the two thousandth and fifty-first recital of the more interesting narrative you were awfully silly to mind all the nonsense that stupid people talked about your having done it yourself remarked nancy in conclusion i dare say i was i often am awfully silly you know it is a way i have but i did mind it confoundedly nevertheless foolish boy as if anybody who had ever had so much as a bird's-eye view of you could seriously suspect you of doing anything that sir richard lovelace and the chevalier bayard hadn't done every day of their lives but they did suspect me my sweetheart and those who have enjoyed considerably more than a bird's-eye view of me and example speaks louder than precept you know but they didn't really suspect you they only pretended they did just for the fun of the thing because it's always so interesting to suspect people of doing what you know they couldn't possibly have done half the fun of being good is that it gives such flavour and point to your few lapses while the lapses of habitually faulty people entirely lack this charm lawrence stroked nancy's cheek with his forefinger what shockingly immoral teaching well it's quite true think how glorious it is when mother upsets her tea or father his claret on the tablecloth yet if i or the boys do such a thing there is no real joy in it at all and that is why people pretended that they thought you had set fire to the hall if you'd been less sans peur and sans reproche there'd have been no point in even suggesting such a thing my darling said lawrence after a pause still fondling the cheek which he had made so pale did you ever think i had done it nancy's blue eyes grew round with amazement i good gracious no i'm not such a goose as all that though i was so foolish as to fall in love with you i've still sense enough left not to suspect you of any redeeming fallibility and honesty enough not to pretend that i do let my folly stand out in its true colours having discovered a man who is absolutely perfect i have been idiotic enough to promise to marry him although he never attempted to conceal any of his virtues nor assumed any faults which he was not so fortunate as actually to possess my dearest i've something horrible to confess to you i wonder if you can ever forgive me of course i can i'm silly enough for anything where you are concerned what is it fire away lawrence stooped down and hid his face in nancy's lap i know i was a brute a devil you can't be more disgusted with me than i am with myself and if you refuse to marry me after you hear what i am going to say i cannot blame you my darling i actually believed all the time that it was you who had set fire to the hall more shame to me now can you ever bring yourself to forgive me there was a pause then nancy said slowly you believed that it was me all the time lawrence groaned yes curse my blind folly 
when did you find out that it wasn't me after all when old gottfried found out how it really had been done not till then no not till then and you asked me to marry you believing that i was the guilty person i couldn't help it i loved you so that i meant to marry you whatever you had done guilty or not guilty you were the only woman in the world for me but i shall never forgive myself for thinking you guilty and i feel i cannot ask you to forgive me oh my darling what a brute i have been to you and although i was so vile as to suspect you my own innocent angel you were believing in me all the time my sweetheart i am not fit to touch the hem of your garment and poor lawrence groaned once more in the anguish of his soul but nancy did not groan she laid her hand on her lover's head while her eyes shone like stars my dear i've nothing to forgive you have made me prouder than i ever was in my life before i don't blame you for suspecting me because i'd once suggested that you should burn the hall yourself if you remember though i only said it in fun and then i'd got the keys so there was nothing in that but what makes me so proud and happy is that your love for me was great enough to overcome all obstacles even your suspicion that i had done the thing which you abhorred oh my darling my darling i know now how much you love me god grant that i may prove myself worthy of such love and nancy took the bowed head into her arms and covered it with passionate kisses a new house stands now on the site of old baxendale hall a picturesque red-brick house designed after the fashion of the elizabethans but with every victorian comfort and convenience and it smiles across the valley at silverhampton church on the opposite hill as its three predecessors smiled before it but now there is no shadow on its smile no shadow of a curse as yet unfulfilled and to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear the new house and the old church bring the same message the message that good is stronger than evil and therefore is bound to conquer in the end be the warfare never so long and the battle never so bitter to all who possess their souls in patience it is given to see the morning joy which is the sure successor of the night of weeping to behold the marvellous light which must finally disperse all clouds and darkness either here and now where there fall other shadows and where fresh clouds return after the rain or else in that fairer country where there is no need of the sun to lighten it and where the winter is over and past for evermore so the story of the baxendales ends well as all stories must inevitably end if we will only wait long enough but the end is not always yet and we are in such a hurry since good is stronger than evil and truth than falsehood and blessing than cursing no story can possibly end badly while it is going on badly we know that this is not the end just as we know that the end of anything is only the beginning of something better and always must be as long as god's in his heaven and all's right with the world once more the baxendales can dwell under their own roof-tree until their own lands in peace unhampered by the conviction that again their home will be destroyed by fire and their house left unto them desolate that age-long fear is over and past the old curse has exhausted itself and the ancient prophecy has been fulfilled to the letter for first by the king and then by the state and thirdly by that which is thrice as great as these and a thousandfold stronger and higher has baxendale hall been made fuel of fire the end end of section twenty three end of fuel of fire by ellen thornycroft fowler